This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. is Sky Blues Extra. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sky Blues Extra podcast with me, David Moore, and I'm joined again by my co-host, Andrew Greasley. Evening, David. Excited to be here. It's great. And um, again, as always, we just want to thank our listeners from listening to last week's podcast. We really hope that they enjoyed it. And obviously, we really hope that they enjoy this evening's podcast. We will be reviewing the game from the weekend. But just to mention, we're also going to be previewing Tuesday night's match. So if you are listening to this after Tuesday's match, scrub forward and you'll be able to hear the preview for an absolutely massive game on the weekend against Southend. Starting off though, Andrew, the mission is the championship. The target is automatic promotion positions. The journey, a very tough one and also very bumpy one. Another display at this weekend uh, at St Andrews didn't go to plan. No, well, it did because we won. But yeah, I'll, I'll break down the stats for us because, like I always do at the start of the pod, 52% possession in the Sky Blues' favour, 14 shots compared to Bolton's nine, 12 chances created compared to their five, and our passing accuracy was 74% uh, compared to their 69%. So, Regarding the stats, it's uh, definitely in, our, in the Sky Blues' favour. But as we know, it, it wasn't as easy as all that, was it? No, exactly. And what I mean I didn't go to plan, oh, it's absolutely fantastic. Three points, 90th minute winner, you know, 2-1, another three points, another important, important game for the Sky Blues to have won. Uh, you've got to beat those teams that are around the bottom of the table if you're going to have any chance of automatic promotion. So, yeah, not like I say, didn't go to plan because I think we all expected that it might be a tough game, but I think we expected to batter them. And uh, obviously that didn't happen, but great to get the three points. 
Yeah, I always thought it was going to be a bit more difficult than that. Um, Keith Hill's a, a wily manager, isn't he? He's got a good pedigree behind him. And I always thought it was going to be tougher than it, what, what it was going to be. So I didn't think it was going to be. I know I said last week on the pod that we'd beat them 3-0. But after thinking about it, I thought, mm, maybe not, Andy. That's a bit, bit optimistic. And I thought, after looking at the looking back at them and what manager they've got and how, re- how well they've been doing recently, I, I did think it might be harder than, than first thought. Optimism's great, Andy, and I think that it's it's going to be very, very difficult for us and uh, you know our fellow Sky Blue supporters not to get carried away, and we kind of need to keep bringing ourselves back to earth. But with every win and every game closer to that sort of May, um, you know, going into the summer, you just... You just you can't help but get excited for the prospects that, that Coventry in the position that they're in. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm excited as much as anyone, you know, I badly want to get us back in the championship and especially the run we're on at the moment. It looks like uh, playoffs minimum at the moment, doesn't it? So yeah, it's, it's all good at the moment. It absolutely does. And um, there's some, re- you know, going through the key points of the game is what we usually do when we review. Um, and it started off with an absolutely fantastic start, didn't it? With an early goal scored by Bakayoko. It did. It was uh, two minutes in uh, and Dabo went down the line and he delivered an absolute delicious cross for Bakayako. Bakayako's movement off the defender was really good. Not quite sure what the defender was doing because he just seemed to let him go. Um, And also his header was planted into the uh, bottom corner, but also their keeper seemed to go down in instalments as well. But nevertheless, it was a superb ball in by Dabs um, and also a decent header by Bakayako to put us in the lead early doors. Yeah, exactly. And like you say, I think this podcast is going to be packed full of references to Fankati Dabo, who, again, had another superb game. But, I mean, one thing I would say is just that ball in, being there uh, on Saturday, obviously he skipped past his player and he was was sort of there and he almost had lots of time uh, and had to, and I think probably may have been guilty sometimes of playing the ball too quick but on this occasion he literally waited 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 and as the defender then started to come he just hung the ball up absolutely perfectly and I think like you said the defender did lose uh, Bakayoko but I think that was because he was reacting to the fact that Dabo was on the ball for so long if that makes sense and and mm. it was almost like they felt god we need to press we need to press and he waited till that perfect perfect timing and he just hung that ball beautifully in the air put it towards the back post and and a, and a solid finish by Bakayoko who now has scored obviously in his last two appearances since he's changed his haircut mate it's the haircut isn't it everyone's saying that and um you know i've got to grow mine out a little while until i can go down to barbers and get that that sort of it's the gangster's paradise look isn't it it is it is and um (laughs) but yeah like i say absolutely superb header wasn't it well taken goal it was, and going back to your point about Dabo, his cross was delicious, wasn't it? My, one of my concerns about Dabo this season has been his crossing hasn't been too great. This time it was right on the money for Baka, wasn't it? And uh, Baka truly obliged with a superb header in the bottom bag. Yeah, great, an absolutely great header. And then, of course, Bakayoko involved again. This time it came from the left-hand side, actually. Sam McCallum in acres of space, which he, he did have a lot of space on that left-hand side, especially in the first half. And uh, we'll come on to it, but McFadseen and, and Rose were, were 
constantly trying to pick him out and, and spread that play. He got past his, his man um, on many occasions during the game, but on this occasion, he skipped past and he played it across the across the goal, obviously missed by everyone, uh, but not Bakayoko, who was sliding in at the back post, um, only for it to be ruled out offside. <laughs> Yeah, it was a bit frustrating. It was really good link-up play by Alan and O'Hare beforehand. Um, that was beautiful by the two attacking midfield players. They really linked up well. Uh, they shoved it out wide to uh, McCallum, and McCallum delivered a delicious ball into the box across the six yards, right in that corridor of uncertainty. And back are truly obliged with a good finish on the uh, on the right-hand side, but just unfortunate it was offside. I don't know if it was offside. It looked on to me, but yeah, it so came I from can... behind. So... But I don't know. Obviously, you were there on Saturday, Dave. So I, I don't know if you had a better view than what I did. But yeah, it looked on to me. Yeah, I was looking right across the line, Andy. It was well off. <laughs> I wasn't. Oh, yeah, okay. so that puts me in my I place. Was, I was um, purposely sort of. We purposely sat that you know sort of watched the watched the game from that side, and then I must admit, being at the St Andrews isn't completely packed at this moment in time. We were able to then manage to go the other side for the second half, so that we could get a good you know you know watch basically commentary attacking both goals. I so I now. was sorry. <laughs> feel sad now for Backer, bless him. Yeah, no, but you know he just drifted offside, and I think yeah. that that ball didn't didn't really you know didn't quite come in quick enough. Possibly uh, the momentum was going there, and you could see that he was he was sort of stretching to get there anyway. Mm. But I think it just goes to show that actually you know he's alert, he's on he's on um, he's been on target in the last two games, and he was on target again there, and and his his sort of hunger to get to the to the ball and, and put it in the back of the net was clearly there, and uh, yeah, he just drifted offside. It was offside, um, but at the same time, a great start from Coventry. The pressure was well and truly on, um, but then Bolton sort of grew into the game and had some chances. They did. That scene, that disallowed goal seemed to uh, really get the wind in their sails. They really seemed to um, progress from there, and. Um, they seem to get confidence from the goal being disallowed because I think if we would have scored that goal, I think we would have gone and won four five nil. But they seem to grow confidence from the disallowed goal, and they seem to edge into the game. And they, you know, and then we had it. Morosi made an absolute fabulous save, which um, from Politic and um, Politic was obviously in the midfield. He ran at Rose, did him all ends up. Then he was one-on-one with McFadden, just turned McFadden like he wasn't even there. And then McFadden, and then obviously Morosi came out like Peter Smichael, like in a star shape. And it was an absolute, well, in my opinion, world-class save. It was unreal. And, yeah, and uh, got a hand to it and got enough oh, to Mate, they are so hard to do a one-on-one like that. And the way he came out in a star shape was, was reminiscent of Smichael in his heyday. Brilliant stuff by Morosi. Yeah, exactly. And like I say, I think a lot of our followers um, reached out to us after the game to say how well Morosi had played. It was just, yeah, Bolton really did grow into it. And and I must admit, you know, I would like to give Bolton some credit, actually. And I would say that actually being at Wickham away... I'd say that Bolton would played as well, if if not better than the the Wickham display that day. And you just think polar opposites, different ends of the table, but you, you wouldn't imagine so. Actually, given no. 
how well Bolton played. They seem to have these ex sort of look like ex pros. You know, they did look like the High Park Tavern sort of XI. Uh, they looked a bit pub teamy, very big, very tall, very physical. Chris is it Chris Grady? Uh, O'Grady, um, O'Grady got yeah. one of the assists. He was just he he was very very difficult to play play against. You know, he was really slow with it. It was um, it, he was really really slow with the ball. He's, he didn't have any pace at all. And I think he probably if he was on here now would admit that himself. But what he did have is that sort of experience that that um you know the touch the touch was really good at times and it, it did cause us quite a lot of problems at the on Saturday and, and obviously had an assist for politic to, to score as well. Yeah and Robbins was annoyed with that post match because he told he said that on in his interview after the game he said that um he warned the players about O'Grady. He said he's got one trick and we fell for it every time. So Robbins was annoyed by that situation. Yeah, exactly. And that trick, what what was that? That was sort of, you know, he's just sort of bringing it down, wasn't he? And he, and then once he he sort of got his body in, in he the way. He shifts it a little uh, bit, doesn't he? And yeah, then, very, then he very clever it in. Yeah, yeah. Very clever player. And like you said, we just mentioned briefly the equaliser, but before the equaliser, Coventry still had spells. They still played some absolutely lovely um, football and link-up play. And it was a very, very quick counter-attack. And uh, Callum O'Hare pushed it out wide. It left Allen one-on-one. Keeper done really well to come out, close him down really quickly. But you thought you were going to see the net bulge. Yeah, I did uh, when he went through. Yeah, I did really thought you were going to go through and, and, and score. But it was a decent decent save in the keeper. He hit one just wide as well, didn't he, Alan? Uh, yeah. went just wide when he went across the de- across the defence and then hit it wide just past the post. Also, you know, Bolton had chances as well, didn't they? It was it was a bit of an even game. I think both both teams had chances and Murphy had a header which Morosi brilliantly saved as well yeah. over the bar. So after dominance in the first few minutes, it became a bit of a, a basketball game in, in sense of chances with both teams had chances, didn't it? Yeah, and of course BMU also then had a header which was sort of six yards out. <laughs> perfectly weighted cross and it was just straight at the keeper any other side of it and you know it would have been a goal and of course he had a sort of speculative effort got the bike out again yeah he'll get one of those soon he will yeah and I'm sure like you know the goal that we saw against Peterborough absolutely fantastic his his bicycle kick technique is just second to none oh it is yeah it's unreal it's I don't think I've seen anyone better especially at that level, than, than Biama at bicycle kicks. You know, I was there in the flesh to see the one at uh, uh, Peterborough, and that was just unreal. So, no, I think he's got one coming, hopefully in May in the playoff final. Yeah, well, if, if that's if that's <laughs> what it has to be, then that's what it has to be. But I played yeah. uh, beach football quite a lot when in my youth, actually, and I've got a couple of oh, friends yeah. that play for the England beach football team. Um, and maybe once he retires from, from Coventry City and... and you know, professional football. Maybe that's what he'll go into beach soccer because I I can tell you he'd absolutely go down a storm with his technique on bicycle kicks. Definitely, like Cantona. Cantona, Cantona did football, exactly. Didn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Funny I enough, remember, some of yeah. the guys played against Cantona actually, and, and really? said that even at that age he was still. Um, and and the still. bicycle kick is something that's utilised on beach soccer so often, and keeping that off the ground. And BMU would probably fit straight into that sort of setup. Definitely. So Bolton applied lots of pressure, Andy, uh, and they finally got the breakthrough. Like I say, Chris Grady again did what he did, got got it down the left-hand side and crossed it in, and it was a, a neat finish, actually, by Politic. Yeah. And, and their pressure it, sort of... It was. To... Politic was... 
It, it did come to the fore, Dave. Yeah, Politic was very good all game, um, very good by the young Romanian. He was impressive and one to keep an eye on for the future. Uh, regarding the goal, it was just one long punt by the goalkeeper. Uh, Rosie misjudged the ball, let it bounce, which is the first thing even at kids' football you're not, you're not supposed to do is let the ball bounce ever. But he seemed to do it, and that was indicative of his performance. Um and then it was whipped in by O'Grady and then politics ran across his man and it was a neat finish to be to be honest with you, but it was such an avoidable goal and it was schoolboy stuff and it was really poor. Where do you think that came from? Do you think it was, I mean, they had chances, they were piling on pressure and mm-hmm. it's sort of, we talk about these 15 minute spells that Coventry seemed to have throughout the season in, in a lot of games. I know that we had a bit of a let off against Tramir and that sort of pressure spell. Now I'm not saying you're going to go 90 minutes and I've mentioned this a lot of times, you're not going to go 90 minutes in this league or any game of football without having your opponents have a chance on goal. But Again, Bolton really grew into confidence, didn't they? And and that that equaliser looked like it was coming. Yeah, I think it was more to do with uh, not spells this time. I just think a few people just had a few off days. And that happens in football sometimes. And I think that contributed in giving Bolton some chances, to be honest, Dave. But luckily, the Sky Blues managed to get a breakthrough I was talking actually to my friend on the way back through and a a big shout out to Nick for the lift actually, apart from the fact that I had to sort of play service station and fast food bingo. I ticked off three different brands, (laughs) which is just absolutely (laughs) disgusting. But yeah, we were talking, I know, yeah, we were talking and it was, it it never really felt, it's so weird, it never really felt that we wasn't going to get the winner, in my opinion. I still wasn't, you know, you sit there and you think it's not going to be our day. Mm. And actually, this weekend, I was pretty, still pretty confident that we were going to get another chance that, you know, to, to win the game. And of course, it, it came um, again, lots of pressure, great work down the right hand side. The pressure was really, really sort of piling on Bolton and I think that's what caused the goal really because they were in a bit panic stations taking them to places where they've probably been many times this season trying to hold on to either three or a point or or actually save face I think in a lot of examples from their game but Walsh and uh, O'Hare and Dabo down that right-hand side. They were really playing lots of intricate passes, lovely little bits of passing, uh, and it broke, obviously, in the box, didn't it? It was Walsh that crossed the ball. Allen leapt like an absolute salmon. Um, I've never seen... I don't know how he jumped so high. I think if they had to have a competition between Ronaldo's jumping and and Allen's, it would be quite close. Um, Fantastic. He got to the ball first, and BMU was there, wasn't he, just to absolutely power the ball home and make sure it was it was a good goal um but it's goal. it was a poacher's goal and uh, the finish was beautiful um i didn't really appreciate watching the finishing actually what it how good it was but i saw the goal cam today on coventry's twitter page and it was absolutely beautifully taken by biama especially that late in the game he just really put his foot through it and really nicely and put it in the corner you know he could have easily flashed at that but no it was a really confident finish by max so very impressive but to get back to your point about this team no we 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 never seem to uh, fail to score late on these days normally you know watching Coventry City down the years when someone scored you turned your notifications off didn't you yeah, but not right. with not, not with this team they fight to the end they fight to the very end and you know we always 
you know, look like we're going to score. The amount of points we've gained from losing or drawing positions is near enough top, near a top of the of the league. So it's outstanding the fighting spirit this team's got, and you, you always think we've got a chance. And and while she was outstanding down that right, how he delivered and drove forward, I talked about his driving performances against uh, Bristol Rovers last week, and he drove again forward into the box. The ball looped into the air off a, a Bolton player, and Jamie Allen's fight for the ball considering he's you know he's five foot one like a hobbit <laughs> or five foot four and given however the time he as well yeah given, just... you know how late in the game it was to yeah. sort of get that sort of spring out of there just goes to show that he really has got himself back to sort of peak physical fitness isn't he absolutely yeah that is a great point about that but yeah considering how small he won he just wanted it so much more than the ball centre-offs yeah. yeah he wanted it more and he faulted um, Max and his like I said earlier his finish was sublime yeah, exactly. And like you said, it's been so many times now where we've come back from losing positions. And I think that just comes down to our football. And again, on Saturday, you always felt like you were going to get another chance because we just do play that re- you know, really quick, counter-attacking, uh, very neat and intricate football. And I think it just, like you say, the time tailed and Bolton, obviously a bit like what we've done in, in the past in, in certain games, sort of sat deep and they just couldn't hold on. And, and, and look, you know, credit where it's due they came and they put in an absolutely you know fantastic performance for where they are in their league position and and Keith Hill has clearly got them playing football and you could probably say they'll at the end of the season will leapfrog against Southend impossible task that they've got to to stay up of course with with the points in relegation and um, you know we wish them the the, the best in in league two when that inevitably probably happens next season Yeah, just picking up on that point, I do wish Bolton all the best. I like Keith Hill. I like how he speaks. He's a he's a wily manager. He speaks a lot of sense. He doesn't come out with a load of rubbish after games. He actually talks the truth. Obviously, we know what it's like to be in League Two as well. It's not it's not great, but there is light at the end of the tunnel for uh, Bolton. I think they'll be all right next season, and I hope they get promotion. Yeah, and and like I say, so there were some really key topics that I felt that came out of this game because you couldn't be too hard, hard, you know, beaten. You couldn't be down because we've got three points, and there's not going to be any easy games in this league, and certainly against a team that actually they haven't really got not anything to play for, but you know they're going to go out there and give their all because they're all playing to sort of stay stay in the side for the, for League Two because I'm sure there's going to be cuts. I'm sure there's going to be people that are going to have to move on and. I think people are trying to obviously show that they they you know deserve to be there and and want to go you know stay in in Keith Hill's side. But mm. um, we mentioned Rose and I, I did actually see something on Twitter actually where someone had freeze framed a lot of the different uh, goals and situations from the game from the match highlights and and Rose seemed to just get a lot wrong on the weekend. He did. There's no Uncharacteristically, need. I yeah. I must say. Yeah, I don't know why people are doing that because that's his only bad game he's had all season so I think we need to leave off him he, he had he had a shocker There's no it two was ways. about a four tweet dossier but I mean <laughs> at the same time it was really interesting reading but it was uh yeah it was like a four four sort of tweet dossier of screenshots but yeah, I think it was just a highlight that you know um it was uncharacteristic for for Rose and it was it was just proving that it was a very very much an off day it was. He had a, he had an absolute nightmare, but we've all had them, haven't we? You know, whatever's 
standard of football you play. You don't play well every week. And, yeah, or um, at so, work. I'm sure there's yeah. listeners out there now that have gone into work and not performed their, you know, their, to their best ability on certain days. Certainly um, put my hand up to that one again. Yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> exactly. But, so we do know that it, you know, in, in there's not going to be a perfect 90 minutes for a player every time. No, absolutely not. And he'll come back stronger for it. Mike, sometimes poor games like that just help sharpen the mind for the next game, doesn't it? So I'm sure he'll be fine for Tuesday night. I've got every faith in Michael Rose. I think he's an outstanding player and I think he's been one of the the best signings of the summer. So no no problems with Rose in my opinion. And again, you know, you'd have to give a shout to the defence. They they had different types of players they were playing against. Very experienced, very big, very physical. And in, by and large, they dealt with, with it in places. And, and obviously, like we say, there's going to be chances for, for other sides. But in, in large, they, they dealt with it. One thing I would pull out about this back three, and, and I sort of, we spoke about this before, about McFadden and um, there was a few times I think he was a bit wayward again this weekend. But, you know, Rose and Hyam and McFadden, and what actually I did, did sort of see and, and sort of felt and wanted to pull, pull out actually from Saturday's game was I think McFadden almost needs to really, really accept his central defensive role where he is the sort of last man and, and actually just sort of not get too concerned with doing you know, the other the other areas of the game. And, and what that for me is, is actually is his ball playing. You know, Rose and Hyam are clearly just a lot more, a lot more confident in terms of with the, the ball at their feet. And and I saw it a couple of times on Saturday, and I felt that Rose can sort of spray that ball, Carney across. And um, whereas McFadden's always seemed a bit bit hurried, and maybe that's something that it, you know he he needs to maybe you know I'm not saying there's never going to play a pass or never going to play a 30 yard ball, but actually I think he's got people around him that we can see are proven to be able to play that sort of ball and he, he probably needs to stick to that sort of role he's so good in the air he's so physical um, mm. but actually actually the, the ball playing part of his, his game probably isn't isn't his strongest and he's got people around him that can do that and maybe that's you know that might it for me would be something that I think we'd be even more confident as a back three yeah I think so that's a good point Dave yeah he yeah he's passing out from the back isn't particularly strong you know he's got Rose Hyam to do that in fact his strengths is doing the dirty work you know exactly. winning the ball in the air you know marshalling the troops winning the tackles so yeah um, if he gets the ball he should just give it to Kelly or Walsh <laughs> or Hyam or, or Rose maybe. or any of the other uh, yeah. ten but just the, don't boot it over ten yards because it'll go but, out. But no, I mean, look, I'm not. I'm. I'm just saying it was something that I felt was interesting to highlight because when you compare him, if and, I, and I'd I'd say to any of our listeners out there to sort of you know go back and listen to some of the commentary and watch some of the games and um, just watch how just when McFazzin got the ball, he he doesn't look as confident and he does look a little bit hurried, a little bit forced um, at times. Whereas you know Rose. He is just absolutely as cool as a cucumber majority of the time. And I know he had a bit of a few errors this weekend, but generally his ball playing is just is absolutely spot on. And 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 we did that again really well this weekend. Certainly did. Also Hyam, we've got to mention Hyam's display as well, because he's uh for me, he's better than League One level. He's Mr. Uh, consistent. Look- 
Oh, he is. And the way you can, you know, left-sided player, really good to look at, you know, bringing the ball out well, finds people, calm, collected. Yeah, he, um, if, if the Sky Blues don't go up this season, there'll be championship clubs looking at uh, Dom Hyam for sure, 110%. And, uh, yeah, and, and many players, but uh, I think mm. you're right, Dom Hyam would definitely Rolls-Royce of a defender, Dave. Yeah, he definitely mate. is. And yeah. We also, you know, we, we've mentioned already about Jamie Allen uh, had a one-on-one and you, you expected him to do better, especially how cool he finished uh, the week previous. But it wasn't to be, but what another amazing performance. Superb. You know, it was really kicked on uh, from that Bristol Rovers game, didn't he? I know he played a little bit of a cameo role in the cup, but no, he was great again. Uh, real good high energy levels. Um did his defensive duties good as well, as we know he likes to tackle, like we discussed last week, but no. We did, and I just can't not mention it again. I just can't <laughs> not mention it again. The, the, the lad's energy is just like, it's just absolutely unrivaled on the pitch. There's not, doesn't seem to be another man that works as hard as him, in my opinion, and is, and is willing and is gritty to, and determined to get the ball back. And, and like we've already mentioned about the, the header, and that was just another example of his absolute tenacity. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's very, very tenacious in the uh, in the tackle. Gets around the pitch great. Links the play well forward, and he also likes driving at people as well, doesn't he? That that run across the the back line and where he just put it past the post. He did it in the week against Birmingham as well. Just ran at their defence. Just basically just took the ball and thought, "Fuck it, I'm going to score here." And, and the like, longer that goes on, yeah. you know, the longer that goes on, the nearer to the penalty area that that happens is. It just doesn't allow those sort of dirty tricks that we've mentioned before to, to mm. sort of come out uh, and bring a player down because they're not doing it on the halfway line actually they're now just outside the 25 yard box so they don't know where they are and they're in the penalty area mm. but you're, you're absolutely right those cross field runs that he does and he carries the ball for a good 35 40 yards and it's hard to actually explain isn't it what that's doing for the actual you know every every other player in on the pitch because it's just offering so many more much more space and opportunities for them to to lose their men because he's taking two or three players out of the game yeah absolutely and it brings you up the pitch as well a run like that doesn't it Dave so yeah those runs are brilliant and just hopefully next time you can cap it off with a finish yeah exactly and, and like you say Cal O'Hare also done that again happy to have the ball at his feet, happy to keep the ball and, and and let the defender make a decision of whether they want to try and tackle him or break, you know, uh, you know, bring him down. But again, yeah, they really did take the pressure off, I think for us. And they made a lot of, a lot of opportunities happen this weekend, Cal O'Hare and, and Jamie Allen in the middle of the park by just having that confidence to keep hold of the ball and only release it when they, they really needed to. Yeah. Callum O'Hare's a baller. There's no two ways about it. He is a fantastic football player. Perfect for that number 10 position. He sees passes where other people don't. And uh, one thing I do say about Cal O'Hare, he's brave as a lion as well. Did you see his scar from the game? It was amazing how he he got through the game without being uh, knocked out. It was a fantastic bravery from Cal O'Hare. It's incredible. A lot of people are saying, oh, where the hell has this seven minutes extra time gone? And and that's where it had gone, really, that he was um, getting patched up at the time. He had the old Terry Butcher headband on, infamous Terry Butcher headband. But the, the rival player 
he he was out looked like he was out for the count and and it was great to see that he actually got up and, and both players were up and it looked like a head clash and really nasty one but to be able to continue to play on that and he was still making things happen on the 97th minute you know he was still there running his heart out, making things happen. And, and he's been an absolutely magnificent loan signing again for the Sky Blues. And we've mentioned before, Alan and Cal O'Hare, they really are keeping people out of the side. They are. Um, they're keeping out Westbrook and Shipley, which is, um, um, well, it just shows how well they're playing, isn't it? It's a bit of a switch round because everyone was saying, oh, Westbrook and Shipley are undroppable. And now... Now, um, you're saying Alan O'Hare and Droppable, but it just shows what kind of squad depth we've got, doesn't it, Dave? To have people like Westbrook, Shipley, Giles, you know, Biamu on the bench, it's just fantastic, isn't it? I go back to a couple of seasons, maybe further back, and I remember you, used to, you always used to see the team sheet and you'd think, like, I don't know where the damage is coming from the bench. It used to be made up of, of quite a few kids. And I don't mean that in the way that we've got, you know, young lads on our, on our bench now, like the past, because he's got absolute class and we've seen that many times already this season and I'm sure we'll continue to see that in the future but we did used to have two or three you know academy players on when when the finances going back a few years were really tight mm. and you just didn't really know where the, the danger was coming from the bench and what depth that you know a manager could have to try and change a game when they needed to but with this this current squad the bench the depth is it's massive, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, it's great. Um, you know, you're looking at the bench and you're excited to see, you know, if you, if it's 60 minutes gone in the game and we're struggling, then we're thinking, well, we can change it and we've got players that can actually affect the game, which has not always been the case, the case with the, the Sky Blues. No, exactly. Um, another player that then had an absolutely fantastic game and won our man. Are you sure, David? Are you sure? Are you sure? Not many it's, people are sure. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely incredible. And look, I think the great thing about football, as I've always said, is opinions. And everyone is entitled to their opinion. Everyone will have an opinion on the St. Andrews situation at the moment. Everyone will have an opinion on the performances of the players. And what I say here isn't gospel and, and the same as, as for everyone. And everyone's valid for that. But, I mean, how people can say that Darbo wasn't, didn't have a great game for me is just I, I, I can't understand it no nor me he was uh, well let me just run through a few of the stats to try and back up what we're saying um, he had one assist he had one shot he had five key passes which was the best of any Sky Blue player he had 74 touches he had two dribbles which was the best of any Sky Blue player one tackle three interceptions which again was a bet was best was better than any other Sky Blue player yeah and six crosses, three of them which were accurate, which again is the best by any Sky Blue player. Yeah, I, I thought he had an absolutely fantastic performance. Okay, defensively, he probably wasn't at his best, but then as a collective, we weren't at our best. But going forward, I mean, he skips past people with absolute ease and he'd be someone that I'd be really, really concerned about. I think even regardless if we go up, that mm. people will be looking at him now because you can't watch, you know, anyone that watches the EFL on Quest or anyone that watches the commentary and highlights on Sky Sports app, wherever it may be, there's managers out there that are just hearing one name every week at Commentary City and it's... Thank you, Darbo. 
Yeah, yeah, we call him the steam train here, don't we, on the podcast? And uh, no, we're, we're we're massive fans of him, and let's hope we go up because obviously Championship clubs will be looking at him. The former Chelsea graduate is doing really well, and uh, one thing I used to criticise him was his crossing, but he seems to improve that, and that's part of his game that's improved as well, as with the first goal on Saturday. So no. His uh, energy levels is fantastic. He gets up and down there and he plays that wing-back role brilliantly. So, no, we're lucky to have him, Dave. And what other players stood out for you? We've mentioned Alan. We've mentioned Darbo. We've mm. obviously talked about Max uh, and Bakayoko. Mm. Cal O'Hare was obviously brilliant as well. They're players that stood out. Is there any others that stood out for you? Morosi, mate. He makes big saves at important times. And when keepers do that, it's massive. And... Um, the save he made from Politic was outstanding. For me, that was world-class. Absolute fantastic save. And the save he made from Murphy over the bar was really, really good as well. He's commanding. He's a presence in the goal. I wouldn't say he's a massive talker, but he's just a big presence in goal. He's got that aura about him. And some of the saves he makes, is just, it's just mouth-watering. He's, he's an outstanding goalkeeper. And like I said about Dabo, we're lucky to have him. And uh, we're certainly lucky to have Morosi. He's been... Was he a free, free transfer, Dave? I don't know, my knowledge escapes me. I think, I think he was. I think, I, think he was out, I think he was out of contract, Dave. Um, so, yeah, mate. So, what a freebie again from uh, from Robbins in the summer. But no, Morosi for me, Dave. Yeah, like you say, the scout in there has been absolutely second oh. to none. And he's got a really well-rounded game, isn't he? I mean, I know there's been some times this season, but let's be honest, his kicking and distribution's brilliant his, oh. his reactions to to shots his shot stopping is absolutely superb and his confidence on the ball which i think is the, the last point i'm going to make and that's actually why i think like we have got this defensive record is that i think the three in front of him just feel so confident and relaxed about using him and i know it's not gone always to plan this season but in by large i think that they feel so confident to have him behind them which obviously i think allows us to then play that football around the back because they almost feel like they're playing with four defenders absolutely you can see that um going back to uh, they added a uh, morosi save on the goal cam as well and as soon as he made that save high and went over to him and gave him a fist pump and a high five and said that's quality uh from morosi so it shows that they've got confidence in him definitely they they believe in him big time and uh when you play as a back three or a back five or even a back four and you've got a good cold goalkeeper behind you it makes no end of difference Absolutely fantastic. And is there any players that disappoint you slightly for you this weekend? Yeah, Rose. <laughs> he had an absolute nightmare, bless him. Yeah, he was not... Um, he's been outstanding throughout the whole season, but on, on this occasion, um, he had an, um, a, 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 an afternoon to forget. I think he'd be having nightmares about O'Grady and his big chest and how he chest the ball down. Yeah, and, no, and he was a, he was a that. really tricky customer. And yeah. if there was a player that I had to pull out from Bolton's side, it would be him. He was just, it was one of those one of those situations where pace didn't matter. He just, his, his experience and an old head and just his awareness absolutely made him absolutely unplayable at times. It did, but I think it more had to do with how badly Rose played, mate, if I'm being honest with you. <laughs> made him look like Ronaldo. <laughs> So moving on then, Andy, that's just um, obviously a fantastic result in the end for the Sky Blues. And it did needed to go to a, a dramatic late winner to get the 2-1 win. And where does that leave us now on the table? Leaves us in fourth. Um, we're on 51 points. Um, 
obviously Wickham won, Rotherham won on a Friday night, didn't they? So they're still, we're still two points behind uh, Wickham in the second place with two games in hand. Um, and also we've got, with five points behind Rotherham again with two games in hand. So, you know, Sunderland won as well. Portsmouth won, Peterborough won. The only one who fell out of the playoffs was uh, Ipswich because Sunderland beat them 1-0. So it was an important win, wasn't it? Because all the rest won really, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, fantastic result. So glad that the Sky Blues managed to get all three points uh, and it sets up some absolutely mouth-watering fixtures in the, you know, in the next coming weeks. You're listening to Sky Blues Extra. So now we're going to move on to hot topics and we asked our followers, what would be your perfect Rico return deal? Obviously, there's been a lot of speculation about what's going to happen with the Sky Blues at the end of this season, where they're playing away at St Andrews for this period of time. We've had a couple of responses from our followers, Andy. We had Paul Reader that said, perfect, question mark, three years at a sensible rent, City keep all the match day revenue and then build a new 20 to 25,000 stadium with the ability to expand if needed. Rather have as little to do with the wasps and the council as possible. So obviously, Paul, very keen to bring it back in house and, and try and step away from the situation that we've got where don't own our own ground and, and thus, therefore, you know, aren't earning possibly the, the match day revenues that we should. Yeah, yeah, kind of agree with that. I tend to on our Twitter page to like stay away from this subject a little bit because it does bring quite a lot of negativity but I thought it was important didn't we to bring it up because mainly because what Robin said in his conference maybe a week ago saying that it's massively important that we get back to the RICO so we thought it was important to obviously get the debate going again and um, from my point of view it's and I know you were there on Saturday. You were saying that the atmosphere was was not not was dreadful, didn't you? You said it was really poor. Is that correct, Dave? It was. I mean, I think it's just starting to. It's one of those, isn't it? I think the novelty is possibly wearing off a little mm. bit. It's not the most of easiest journeys, and and I, I I actually came out into it and said the same that we do need to go back to the to the city. We do need a, a much more convenient way for our supporters to you know watch the watch the, the Coventry play, and it's got to be in their own city and. Look, I understand all the situation that's going on, but I just think that, yeah, the novelty seems to have worn off a little bit and it, it's very, very tough for supporters to, to get there and, and also some have that, you know, they don't want to go and, and I completely understand that. But I just, I feel that, yeah, the atmosphere is it's difficult. You know, you've got, okay, it's in a concentrated area, but with a game like Saturday's where it was at times very, very flat and mm. it was at times obviously a little bit, you know, touch and go whether we were going to get the result. I think it did. That always has an effect on atmosphere, don't get me wrong, because people are, are sort of almost too nervous to sing. But I think it's clear for me to see that the atmosphere is on a general match day is starting to deteriorate. Obviously, Birmingham game was absolutely rocking for, for both, but even the home home fixture in the FA Cup was absolutely rocking and we expected it fully to be. But I don't think that's quite carrying over to, to the rest of the fixtures that's happening now and taking place at St Andrews. But 
that is the situation. There's nothing that can change about that in the immediate future. And, and like I say, I take my hat off to everyone that goes. And and I, I I go because I just love to see the you know love to see this the football that we're playing and and don't want to miss out on that. But at the same time, completely understand everyone else's feelings and thoughts because it is what we've spoke about many times a very very difficult and political situation. It is, but we need to get back to Coventry. I'm with you on this. Not so much about the atmosphere. I think the atmosphere sometimes in games like Saturday was is poor at the Rico as well. Um, however, you know, to make us more sustainable, we need to be back at the Rico. We'll be getting double double of the amount of fans we are getting now. That will give us more money, you know, in the coffers from the the, the ticket receipts, and and that will put us as a club in a, in a stronger position. So, all respect to Birmingham for housing us. Don't get us wrong, but next season we need to be back at the Rico wherever whatever division we're in yeah and Carl Reid also said my view is that there's no point going back to the Rico unless we get a long contract there also match day revenues which is is pretty much what we've said he said it isn't probably going to happen but if we could part own the ground it would make much more sense than building a new stadium and again it's something that I feel is that the Rico was intended and was built for Coventry City Football Club from when they vacated high Field Road and there's been a lot of water under the bridge since that's happened but it, we're still talking about a ground that was predominantly in, in black and white built for the, the football club of the of the city uh, mm. I think Carl makes a really good point on there the last one we had was Tony Carroll that made a, again an equally as brilliant point that Coventry would currently be getting around 7,000 more fans he, he, he suggests if we were attending and playing at the Rico he said 7,000 fans times sort of 20 pounds per ticket is an extra £140,000 times that by 23 £3.2 million in in just match day revenue alone plus if you were to add obviously food drink and and other costs to there maybe costs like the police and and etc would go go up but he said if a deal could have been struck as the council in 2012 rather than going to Northampton the club would probably own the Rico now and there's been a lot of lot happen in the situation since that but I think he makes a really good point actually about the additional match day revenue yeah it goes back to my point what I just made wasn't it about that that yeah it would make us more sustainable um, would give Robbins maybe some more cash because uh, Sisu have back Robbins this season you know with the money they've given him in the transfer window for people like Godden and stuff like that so it would give us a few especially if we get promoted to the championship it's just essential that we get back to the Rico to make us more sustainable it's not as good as if we owned our own ground because we only get money from match day tickets don't we but still it's better than nothing isn't it you're listening to sky blues extra it's now time to preview our two big matches that are coming up it sees us play tuesday night at home to portsmouth who we drew free all with at the start of the season let's just listen back to that now Pardis has the second ball, tries to play it back into the box, but doesn't really get it right, and Coventry have the opportunity to clear it long, and Lee Brown is hoping he'll see the offside flag go up, and he doesn't, and Poppy could be in trouble here if the right ball comes into the area. Real chance for Coventry into the back of the net. The counter-attack, the sucker punch, and it is going to be a second yellow card, and Fankati Dabo is sent off for Coventry. In swinging corner, deep towards the far post. Header, who's well won at the back there from Hunstruff. Is there a foul in the penalty area? There is! Now it comes. Six-step run-up from Godden. Scores. Puts it down to McGilvery's right-hand side. 
he went to his left. Harness trying to get a shot away. Coventry have got enough bodies in there to clear it half away. And Downing is taken out there by Castanier. That was a horrible challenge. He's, he's got to be off as well. He's booked up, booked up for the foul on Curtis. He's got to be in trouble there. And cries of off start. And the yellow card is shown. What is he doing? He's on a yellow card and he's sliding from and 10 yards And he's slowly away. rising to his feet. In comes the throw. Luke towards the near post. Flicked on. Loose played into the back of the net. And Coventry have equalised. And this time, Rose's goal is going to count. Yes, Andrew. Uh, listening to that, what a memorable game from the start of the season. And an incredible comeback from the Sky Blues who, you know, came back to draw free all, even going down to to nine men Castanier with an absolutely <laughs> dreadful and probably one of the worst <laughs> tackles I've ever seen especially having been booked about five minutes previously thought he was going to end up in the sea <laughs> yeah, it really, really could have been. But yeah, there's been a lot of history between Coventry City and Portsmouth. We've played Portsmouth so many times and, and actually in the league, we've beat them 11 times. We've drawn four games and Pompey have won 10 matches. The biggest win was 5-1, which happened twice, actually, once in 1962 and also one in 1966. Um, and as we mentioned, it was a draw this, this season. It was free all. But how do you see this one going? going to be a very difficult game. These are uh, one of the form teams in the league. They've won the last five games. So that's putting that perspective in point. Is it that's nine f- in all competitions? Oh, it is, yeah. It just it's, makes for absolutely grim reading, doesn't it? It does. They've got 15 points out of 15. <laughs> so, yeah, um, obviously they just lie below the Sky Blues and fifth in the league. That's more to do with what their season early season form was which was not very good at all they were lingering around mid-table below mid-table and a lot of their fans were calling for Kenny Jackett's head so um, fair play to Portsmouth uh, for keeping faith in Kenny Jackett and they're reaping the reviews at, re- rewards at the minute because Kenny Jackett's a very good manager a wily manager a bit like Keith Hill in a sense that he knows how to get the job done so um, they did well not to sack him regarding players to watch out for the main one is Rowan Curtis. Um, he scored last season at the Rico when they beat us, and um, he's a very good technician. He's all over their free kicks. He's their playmaker. He's got 11 goals this season, and they're, they're very good at set pieces, and that's mainly because of his superb delivery, Dave. And what about last time out, Andrew? What, the 3 3? No, sorry, but their last fixture. Oh, sorry, mate. Yeah, I'm going back to the 3 3. Yeah, it was. Uh, they won it 2 0 on that. Terrible pitch that we played on not long back. And, terrible. Didn't oh, it look awful? How's how that not getting caught up? How's that I not getting brought up with, with um, you know, the league now? I don't know. I suppose, what can you do with it? You haven't got time to relay it, have you? So I, I don't know, but they should be fine for something having a pitch that bad. Um, well, I don't know that they haven't been, but I mean, it, it was uh, terrible when we played. And actually, the day that we played, the, the rain sort of belted down and we didn't do it any favours. But looking there, I mean, it looks like something that has had a, you know, a plough through it or something. You know, I've seen I've seen better kept farms uh, on yeah, the Isle of Wight. It's dreadful. And... Um, but they still did the business, didn't they? They beat them 2-0. They scored with a really good free kick, whipped in by Rowan Curtis, and uh, it was headed in superbly by, I think it was the centre-half, and um, yeah. and then they scored yeah, another goal. Yeah, it went past everyone, didn't mm, it, and ended up it at did. the back stick. And it was probably, you know, um, absolute 
you know, textbook Tramir defending from what we've seen this so far this season. But taking nothing away from the visitors, again, difficult place to go. And, you know, we obviously play extremely well at Tramir, but a good good 2-0 and, and the form table suggests that they're just in an absolute incredible position and, and confidence sky high at the moment. Yeah, massive purple patch and it's going to be a, a real test for the Sky Blues Tuesday, but something that we can look forward to. Uh, we're in good form as well, so are they, so it's a mouth-watering game Tuesday now and I just can't wait for it, Dave. And do you think there's, you know, it, it, do you think it will be a repeat of, of what we saw in the 3-3 free free, or do you, do you think it's going to be a little bit more, more, more cagey? I think there's going to be goals in this, Dave. Yeah, I'm going to stick my neck out. I think it might, you know, I think it's going to be 2-2. I think it's going to be a high-scoring draw. Okay, I'm going to go for a draw as well, but I'm actually going to go for a one-all draw, which wouldn't be the end of the world, would it, in, in this fixture? Obviously, we we both hope that the Sky Blues can get the win. We've drawn a lot of games this season, so I think if we were to draw one more against a team that are having such, like you say, a purple patch, it wouldn't be the worst case scenario. How would you line up against Portsmouth on Tuesday night, given that we played last Tuesday and again Saturday, and it seems that Godden's probably going to be ruled out maybe again through injury? How would you line up? Um, I would line up with Morosi in goal. I'd play Dabo right wing back, left wing back McCallum, the same back three as normal Hyam, Rose and McFadzine, uh, Kelly and Walsh, obviously the two pivots. Then I'd play O'Hare and Allen, and I would go. Oh, this is a hard question. Oh, I would go for Max. Over Yoko. Yeah, but if they played Bayako, I wouldn't have a problem. Bayako, I wouldn't be playing a problem with that either, to be honest with you, because I know he scored two in two, and it's hard to drop. But Max has scored two in two, so preferably, I've been banging on the door for ages. I want Max to start, so um, I want him to start Tuesday in the big match. Do you think there'll be any issues for Cal um, O'Hare from on the back of that injury? I mean, it looked a real, real sore one. Um, do you think that's something that he's going to be turned around quick enough to get back out there? Yeah, Rob, Robin said in his uh, post-match that he's going to be fit for Tuesday. Um, so that was good news because you always got to, you know, with things like that, you've always got to check carefully if he's been concussed or not because obviously there's serial protocol about that, isn't there, yeah. if he has been concussed. But yeah. no, he, was, uh, he definitely wasn't knocked out. So he'll be fine for Tuesday day. And for me, it's Morosi at the back. It's the yeah. same defence as, as usual. Uh, I I'd, I'd, couldn't drop Alan in the middle of the park. You can't obviously drop the captain and the skipper, Liam Kelly. You can't really drop Cal O'Hare in the way that he played at the weekend. I, I think it's going to be very, very difficult for, for shippers and, and Westbrook to sort of break into that. But there's got to be some, some respite there. What I do see happening is that BMU uh, will, you know, Max will definitely start for Bakayoko. It, uh, I can see Bakayoko coming off. My theory is, is that actually the reason Bakayoko started this Saturday was because Max played um, 120 minutes, I believe it was, against Birmingham. And I think, you know, Robbins, not to say that he underjudged Bolton, but I think he probably felt it was a, a lot more of a, an easier fixture um, than perhaps the, the Portsmouth game. And, and knowing that Max played a big part of the Birmingham game prior, I think he probably rested him and and wants, and, and will start him on, on Tuesday night. Yeah, definitely, Dave. Yeah, I'll be happy with that. And um, apparently Godden's, uh, the injury news on Godden, and we don't really know. It sounds like his groin's flared up again, Dave. Yeah, and that's, it's not good or news. Or even, is it? 
not it is worrying because it you know we're not scoring a lot of goals from the strikers and it does leave us short once again. We didn't do any business in the transfer market and and you're at the same time, him. Dave, you're going to miss him. I am. I am. I am <laughs> going to miss him, but I'm not going to be the only one that misses him, am I? Well, no, you're not. But you're a big fan of him, aren't you, Dave? But so yeah, you're going to miss him, aren't you, mate? I am. I am. But you'll have to send him enough, a message. See if he's all right. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I. I <laughs> I do worry. I do worry for us, though, that just having that depth in the squad. And the thing I like about Gordon is the the sort of pressure and and that tenacity that he gives us up front. And you know, I just do worry that we've now not got that depth. And a lot of people came out in support of Bakayoko. He scored twice now in his last two two games, isn't he? No, joking aside, we wish, obviously, Matty a quick recovery and hopefully he'll be back on the pitch as soon as possible. But no, getting back to Backer, no, he's done really well the last two games. Um, he's, you know, Robbins has shown faith in him, uh, starting him in the cup game against Birmingham and obviously starting him on Saturday. And to be fair to Backer, he's rewarded him with two outstanding displays. So it'd be a little bit harsh to drop him on uh, Tuesday night, but I, I'd go with Max. But he might have a part to play, mightn't he, off the bench? Yeah, exactly. And we recently put out our one-up top poll, uh, yeah. where actually we had 638 votes. So one of our most successful and, and most in, you know engaged um, polls that we've ran on Sky Blues Extra on the Twitter account. And we always tell our listeners, don't, don't forget that you can always follow us for all of the latest polls, match reaction, news and more at Sky Blues Extra on Twitter. But one thing I would say is, we had 638 votes and we had BMU, Godden, Bakayoko and Hawula. Hawula is obviously absolutely well out of favour now in Mark Robbins starting 11. But BMU came through with 60% of the vote, Godden 32 and Bakayoko just 6%. And I think that that speaks volumes. I know that a lot of people feel like Bakayoko has a lot of people on his back. I know a lot of people have also showed that they're not absolutely keen on the fact that Godden for his price tag has delivered what we would have expected from from a striker of, of, of perhaps that cost but for me Bakayoko he, he scored again this weekend great and you know I always will him on I would never never slag off a player I don't see the point you've got to get 100% behind them but one thing I did mention this weekend on Twitter is that I, I just think that if you're going to make promotion and you're going to make automatic promotion, which is what we've got to aim for, the playoffs are such a lottery. I just think Bakayoko is not your spearhead to be able to get automatic promotions, in my opinion. And I, I watched him again on Saturday and studied him really, really closely. And again, he took his goal really, really well. He probably could have had a second. Um, but it's just that his his touch isn't amazing. He doesn't seem as energetic as Godden in, in sort of the defence press. Same as Max Biamu. Uh, he, he, he's the same for me. He presses and puts defenders under under pressure. And, and Baka just doesn't seem... I know he's a different type of player, but I just, I'm not sure that he'd be that player that's going to spearhead you into the championship. Yeah, getting into that argument, well, obviously Godden's injured at the moment, but if if it was out of Biamu and Bakayako, there's... There's only one winner. Who's the better player? It's Bjarne, in my opinion. 
So yeah, sixty percent of our listeners, and like I say, thank you for everyone that joined in. Sixty percent of of the six hundred and thirty people that voted went with Max Biamu, and and it looks like for me that it would be Max that would start this Tuesday evening against Portsmouth, and hopefully he can fire us into all three points. You're listening to Sky Blues Extra. Moving on to Saturday now, Andrew, and we've got another game against a team that have really struggled this season against Southend, the Shrimpers. Yeah, um, they've been awful all season. Um, obviously, they started the season with Kevin Bond as manager, which was a strange decision from the very off. You know, he was used to you know be assistant manager at Spurs, and then he got the job, and I think he's you know collecting his pension. I think you know it was a really weird you know, appointment at the start of the season by Southend. They started poorly. We beat them opening day, obviously, 1-0 for a superb strike by Westy. Um, and it's not got any better since then from them. Obviously, they sacked Kevin Bond. They replaced him with Sol Campbell. And I think a lot of people thought Sol would come in and, and turn the tide. He, he, he I has think been... a lot of people thought when he came in, he'd probably bring a lot of mm. uh, a wealth of experience with him that players that might be queuing up to, to play under someone like Sol Campbell. Not really been the case. No, no, not at all. I think it's mainly because of money. I think they've got a lot of money constraints there. And uh, so it beggars the question, why did he go there? But I suppose he's used to that when he was managing Macclesfield, wasn't he? Yeah, exactly. And just to give you a little bit of history, actually, about Southend, mm. they've actually beaten us 20 times um, with us just with just the 19 victories against Southend and 12 draws. It hasn't been that great for the Sky Blues in the last recent couple of seasons when we have played Southend. But our biggest win actually was 6-3. But that came a long time ago. That came in 1934 in Division 3, Andy. <laughs> 34. Wow, that is a long time ago. No, we our record against Southampton, uh, Southampton, Southend is not particularly good. No, oh, you just um, promoted us to the Premiership. Oh, I wish. Danny Ings and all that, yeah. <laughs> if only yeah, it was maybe, that easy. Maybe in two years' time at the Rico, but that's another argument. <laughs> but no, um, but yeah, they always seem to be a bit of a bogey side, Southend. And um, I remember when they beat us at the Rico and that, that wrong and Niall Ranger scored against us. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they always seem to be a bit of a difficult nut to crap, but hopefully on Saturday uh, we can we can beat them. Looking back, looking at some of the stats for them this season, the form has been a bit topsy turvy. They've got seventeen seven points out of fifteen out of the last five games, which isn't dreadful. It's, it's no. average form, isn't it? However, um, this is a stat that will hopefully take us to the bank is that they've got the worst home form in the league. They've scored 13 goals only at home and conceded a massive 35, Dave. 35 goals. We could do with cashing in on that, couldn't we? Big time, yeah. And what about last time out? Who did they play? Uh, they beat. They lost to Blackpool 2-1. So, yeah, that's the last time out. So they lost to Blackpool 2-1. I didn't see the highlights of that game, unfortunately, but no, I know they lost 2-1 to Blackpool and Blackpool haven't been doing particularly well, so but not an unsurprising result, really. But it's a game we go into if, obviously, we get a positive result on uh, Tuesday looking for three points, especially with their home form and uh, the way they are, and they obviously are bottom of the league, so it has to be a must-three points for the Sky Blues Saturday. 
And obviously, we don't know what's going to happen on Tuesday night. Um, but would you like to go with a pretty much unchanged eleven? Presumably, no. Godden still may not be fit. Or would against a team like Southend, where it's a bit like Bolton in that way, would you be looking to really freshen it up and give the players a a, a bit more of a rest? Because we've got a really tricky run in, haven't we? After that, we have. We've got a lot of big games coming up, and I fully expect Westbrook and Shipley to come in on Saturday. Also, maybe Mason as well. I think there'll be three or four changes on Saturday. And I think maybe O'Hare and Alan will have a bit of a rest on Saturday and maybe McCallum. It would be nice to see Robbins actually finally take the shackles off Ryan Giles as well and see some of that pace. Yeah, yeah I forgot about him. Uh, yeah, no, it would be. It'd be good to maybe see him in maybe a cameo role on Tuesday as well, Dave. Yeah, exactly. And and we, we mentioned already, haven't we, before on, on previous Skyviews Extra podcasts around Mason that he may well be a bit more of an old-fashioned back four left back than the sort of tricky flying wingers that that Darbo and McCallum yeah, give us. Saying that, Dave, I think he did well on Tuesday night, didn't he, at the win back? I know he's tied towards the end, uh, but by all accounts, I think Mason played pretty well at the win back. So, but like we said in previous pods, he's, he's better at full back, but I think he did okay at win back, apparently, on Tuesday. Yeah, and I think I don't look, I don't want to, I'm not going to pull apart Sam McCallum, who's had a fantastic season mm. already so far, and he's going to go on to bigger and, and, and better things, obviously, in the very short future. Hopefully, we'll be joining them in the the same league next season but Sam mm. McCallum on Saturday just looks a little bit more still that sort of a bit lethargic at times and uh, he could have really exploited I felt their right back a lot more than he did and he sort of st- stopped a little bit at the moment it seems to be stopping with the ball rather than sort of trying to beat a man and and perhaps that's just perhaps it is tiredness or perhaps it's just you know um, but yeah I, I just felt on Saturday there's a few times where he, he could have screened for the ball and uh, or could have took his man on and he clearly would have had the legs to to have passed you know passed his, his um, opponent in on the right back position I just think that he saved he looked like he saved himself a little bit again on, on Saturday and I think it, there needs to be some competition for player places there's, there's going to be some really really more demanding games we're going to be playing like you say a lot of Tuesday Saturday um, games and people do need to get a run out so maybe Mason maybe Giles on, on Saturday against a team that you'd like to think that we should be beating like you've mentioned there terrible home record we've got to be looking to switch things up again and, and freshen it up because getting ready for the next bout of, of, of heavy fixtures yeah getting back to your point about McCallum yeah he has looked leggy recently hasn't he ever since that real MK day MK Don's game at home he has looked tired he has looked leggy you know apart from that ball he put in the box for Bakayoko's uh, offside goal yeah, yeah. and yeah. that was early that was only two minutes three well sorry not two minutes four minutes into the game wasn't it yeah so, and in the second half he did make a couple of runs I must mm. admit but uh, the ball you know if you had to and that's what just made made me you know think it was is unbelievable really from from some of the fellow supporters because yeah Darbo defensively wasn't absolutely solid but mm. you know the amount of times he got forward the amount of times he got past his man the amount of times he whipped across him yeah. um and you know if you had to look at his his opposite number 
it, it was completely chalk and cheese. And I, I just can't, there was not a word said anywhere. I couldn't see anything about Sam McCallum, who, yeah, had a steady game, but he, he wasn't anywhere near as the attacking threat that, that Darbo gave us. And that's why, for me, it was it was an odd one. But yeah, strange, not... we're, we're strange, aren't we, Sky Blue fans? You know, we're uh, slag, we're just, you know, slag off uh, Darbo, who's our player, who statistically was man of the match, and someone who's leaving the club, who's, who was has been poor for a couple of weeks. We don't say a word to, yeah, odd. Yeah, he's definitely <laughs> been off it, but look, I'm sure. Uh, he still gives us a, a really good option out on the left. He's, he's very naturally gifted, and there was a lot of times where he did beat his man on on the weekend. But for me, it just looks at times that he saved himself a little bit, and he he turns back and comes back to to the defence when when actually you think just press on, press on. Because if he had in a, a couple of occasions, I think we would have really exposed Bolton, and that could have been the exposure that we needed to have got that really really crucial second goal a bit earlier on in the game, which I think would have dropped their heads and we mentioned that last week that actually if we'd have got some early goals well we got the early goal but if we had just solidified our position early doors then they probably wouldn't have had their their sort of tails up like they did but um yeah self end no, no going back to Sam sorry to put in yeah, there no. Dave going back to uh, Sam McCullum no he's a quality player and uh, but he needs to still keep his performance levels up because there's a little bit more competition now now Mason and Giles is there. So, yeah, he needs to keep his levels up higher. Yeah, and also uh, some some really big games and, and a lot to play for. But he did come out and he showed how much he wants to go up this season. And I think, you know, you still see him around uh, at the end of the game. You can still see how much it means to him. And he knows how, not how lucky, but he knows what, what the Sky Blues have done to sort of enhance his career. And I'm sure that he'll, he'll come out and, and continue to show what he has done for, for the previous part of this season so I'm going to ask you for some score predictions for the South End game like we've said it couldn't be anything but a win but what would be the score uh, I think we'll win 2-0 Dave I think it will be a comfortable 2-0 win as much as being the comfortable Sky Blues winners away from home I'm going to match you as well, actually, Andy. I think 2-0 is nothing less than three points is going to be good enough. I'm really looking forward to making the trip to the seaside. Um, already booked my train tickets down there, and I, I'm really looking forward to seeing a Sky Blues three points. And 2-0, comfortable, with perhaps some you know, second-half Ole shithousery, I think would just go down absolutely perfectly. Well, it's Sol Campbell's face. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> If the if the uh, opportunity arises, then so be it. But yeah, no, I just I think it's got to be it's got to be those games that we're winning if we're going to keep this pace up, which now is really packing in, isn't it, in the league behind us? And um, there's teams that still look like they've got game in hands that that join us. There's also teams that don't, and they seem to be keeping pace. But it's really tight up there, and and it's it's you know very tricky. Yeah, very very exciting though, isn't it, Dave? You know, in previous seasons, you know, going back, you know, February, sometimes we're mid-table or, you know, fine relegation. So it's really nice to be up there in the playoff positions, looking at automatics and uh, with the, how the, the league is structured. It's just so many teams can can make the playoffs or get to the automatics. It's really an exciting league, Skybet League 1 this season. 
Absolutely, yeah. It's all to play for. And and that's all we've got time for on this evening's show. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. We thank you for all of your kind comments and your reviews. Uh, you can also make sure that you listen to us now on Spotify, Apple, and also on Anchor via the web. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.